welcome to the second episode of the Summix podcast. I'm your moderator, Tony Hand, and today we will take a deep dive into one of the focus areas of the Summix project, that is Environmental Impact Assessments, or EIA for short. EIA plays a crucial role when it comes to evaluating and mitigating the environmental risks of mining projects. However, there are also several challenges that surround EIA, and we'll be exploring them in more detail today. Some of these challenges are very closely related to the public perception of mining, as environmental impacts is usually one of the public's major concerns when it comes to opening new mines. We'll also be discussing potential pathways to improve EIA in the future and looking at some of these innovative approaches that are being taken to address these challenges. So, whether you're a professional in the field or just someone who's interested or concerned about the impact that mining projects have on the environment, we hope you'll join us as we delve into this important topic. For those of you who may not be familiar with EIA, it actually originated in the United States with the National Environmental Policy Act of 1969. Since then, EIA has become a widely used tool to evaluate and mitigate environmental risks in the approval processes of projects. Now the European Union also has its own EIA directive, which it had adopted back in 1985. This directive is generally more technical in nature and has fewer requirements for public consultation compared to its US version. But why is it important to talk about EIA from a global perspective? Well, in the SUMIX project, we primarily focus on Europe, but it's also important to note that environmental impact assessments is a crucial tool worldwide when it comes to evaluating and mitigating the environmental risks of mining projects and ensure that the sector becomes more sustainable. Today, we will have the opportunity to hear from two high-level experts in impact assessment. One is based in Chile and the other in Finland. Guillermo Aguirre is an environmental chemist with 22 years of experience in the mining industry. He is currently Principal of Permitting Performance at Anglo-American, where he focuses on integrating sustainability and permitting into uh, business plans. Tommy Copula is a geologist at the Geological Survey of Finland and holds the position of Research Professor of Mine and Industrial Environments at GTK. His research interests and expertise include environmental risk assessments for mining operations and surface water impact of mining as well as sustainable mining issues. So, to start us off, I'd like to touch upon the topic of environmental impacts and public trust and its significance for the mining industry. New projects are facing heavy opposition in several countries across Europe and it's becoming increasingly clear that trust is a key issue for the industry. Guillermo has been working in the mining industry for more than two decades and he will tell us more about his perspective. We have seen in environmental issues related to mining in every country, and that doesn't help. It's, it's hard to deal with that. You know, some, some people don't like to look at that. And my, mining companies are not, are not this uniform group of people that they all think in the same way. We have lots of people thinking in very different ways. Some people think that 
things shouldn't change because they have worked really well in the past 30, 40 years. So why change now? And some other people really want and understands that we have to we have to change because if we don't, this business has no has no future. So first, trust in ourselves as mining companies. The, the other problem that I that I that, that I see around the world is a lack of trust in authorities. I think that is a big big problem. In in every country where we operate, we see a loss at some level, a loss of trust because the role of the authorities is to ensure that things are done the way the, on the right way to pro protect the people and the environment and, and stuff. So uh, I think that is that is um, yeah that's, that is being lost in in some in some places. So we all need to understand that uh, if we lose trust as as humans, we are done. So we need to trust. We need to trust each 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 other. And in order to to um, to maintain that trust, we have to act in the right way all the time, all the time, all the time. And, and don't be afraid to show your errors because we are all yeah. humans. So let's show the errors, but let's, let's also be open for errors. And I'm not saying, you know, let me pollute. I'm, I'm not saying that. I'm, I'm just saying that um, processes are complex. Uh, changes in culture are complex, take time. And sometimes it's just one person doing something wrong, and it it, it, can, it can create a, a big a big impact. This is a strong statement. Guillermo then also spoke about the role of that the environmental impact assessments could or should play to improve trust in the mining industry. What you do on an EIA is to predict the, the future for many many years, and that's. I don't think that is possible right now, right now. I don't think we have the, the right tools. You know, we cannot even predict the weather in the next 10 to 20 days. How, how we can build trust? Uh, the first thing uh, linked to what you say is trans transparency. Transparency around the models, assumptions, data, full openness around that. Uh, and, and, and I think that, it's, that it's, it's the way it should, it should be. Um, because that, you know, will make people understand what is coming, what, you know, what is going to happen, and the assumptions that, that you know, we took. But also, once um, we go forward with a with a a, a project, that there is an acceptance of the results and the level of uncertainty of those results. It's also transparency in the way we monitor, because what an EIA is is you say what you will do and you will say how the environment will interact with your, with your project. And then you need to measure, to monitor if, that it's, if it's working the way you said it would work. So then uh, around monitoring and following, following up, following up how your system behaves, it's also um, opening to that data and make, making that data public. We should have that data public. Understanding that things, might not work the way we all thought, the way we all agreed, but giving space to fix, uh, fix things uh, and prevent impacts. So have a preventive approach. If numbers are starting to show a trend, you know, go and deal with 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 that. You know, things things. I think that's that is the way um, we sh we should be doing things, and uh, that's the way some mining companies are doing it but it's a challenge too. So, 
I understand from Guillermo's words that open access to data is one piece of the puzzle when it comes to improving trust and transparency in the mining industry. In addition to that, it seems like it would also be beneficial to take into consideration the fact that mining projects are constantly evolving over time. This is how it happens. Uh, you you apply for a permit and the moment you put your application in, the project is already going to be changed or optimized. That's how it works. I mean, so we should understand that uh, rather than try to adjust the the project to the permits uh, system. We should un- understand that these mining projects are always, always looking for improvement and efficiency. That's the nature of this business. So which I think is great. So this initial ap- approval, and then, you know, once you get your like uh, a permit for, I don't know, for the next 20 years, you just go. Uh, and then I think that is a problem. So um, one of the things that, um, that could change is to make the impact assessment process a continuous process, uh, or that you review or refresh every five years, you know? In some, in some countries, for example, the closure plan has to be updated every five years, has to be updated every five years, in the independent uh, if you did or not change your like, project. How we can change the entire you know, thought process of this business, we are doing that right, right now. So what we're doing is through permitting, through the lens of uh, permitting, we are bringing sustainability into the way we start thinking about new mines or expansions that that it's um, on on a process called the the RDP process, then through life of asset planning. So we are uh, building together with the mine planners in one of the projects. We are designing the pit uh, and trying options that generate less dust from the design so that the outcome is less dust. You know, so we are we are, we are doing that, but that is a a like uh, challenge because permitting as a discipline, no one goes to university to study that. No one studies that. We all have reached you know this um, this road from different uh, places, but I think I mean that is the way to go. Is through permitting, and it's not a, it's not about the permit. It's about building sustainability into the way we design and then the way we operate and of course the way we not close, the way we transition to something different. I don't like the term enclosure, I like the term transition. And I've seen very uh, successful transitions, uh, one in in Canada called the the Sullivan Mine, where a mining town was transformed into a a ski resort town and golf, golf town. I've been there, I was there a few, a few times. So you can do that, that is possible, but that uh, is built on trust, on trust and not trust now, trust during the application of your, of your permit. After listening to uh, Guillermo's insight, we will now hear from Tommy, who is an expert and works for a public institution. I'm curious to hear his thoughts on how we can increase trust in mining projects beyond just making the environmental impact assessment and permitting process more transparent. So we asked Tommy whether he thinks there are ways to make the process more holistic and to better include the post-closure period. 
first, I think that the scope of the EIA is uh, irrespective of the re uh, of the jurisdiction. I think it's already very broad. If you read the legislation, what they tell you to assess, it's 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 really really broad. So you would think that it's it's holistic already. Um, but um, uh, for instance, for the social impact, how how do we better bring them in. Since I come from the natural sciences, I have this very, let's say, pragmatic, technologically <laughs> oriented way of thinking about it, is that, that we should be doing the same um, that we do for the other, other impacts, like trying to quantify the changes in the living conditions uh, for the people in the region when a mining project comes to their area and again when the mining project leaves that that area because there there will be big changes um, in in the let's say the framework conditions in which people live uh, both when the mine comes to the region and then when it leaves the region so there there will be demographic changes uh, different types of people will be moving in perhaps uh, the regional economics will change there will be different types of jobs uh, available and uh, these people need pu public services they need housing they need schools and daycares and sanitation and all, all these could and can be quantified in fact we exactly know how much people will work on the at the mine then we will need some estimates of how many of them can be recruited local how many of them will be uh, moving in and so on and these kind of things that that uh, <clears throat> the direct and indirect uh, impacts um, also uh, that that can be quantified and measured and <clears throat> I think these are a very good basis to, to to start taking into account the social impacts but you need to be of course sensitive because you need to identify the meaningful things to measure. I mean, the ones that I listed are very simple and straightforward and probably applicable at, at, at all uh, uh, projects or to, to all projects, but there can be local things that, that you need the local expertise to know what exactly it is that you need to measure changes that you wouldn't maybe as an outsider understand that are uh, <clears throat> important for the for the people in the region and then you would with these quantified changes you would then jump into this um, or move into this this current mining paradigm in which you try to because a mine is always a temporary thing it's it will come to its end in 30 years or something and the and the current paradigm in mining is that that you should produce these sustainable benefits for the region and this this uh, maximize the opportunities while you're mining and and produce this uh, a positive legacy so it's these numbers these quantified changes that you are assessing in your EIA those are the ones that you can then you know work with i understand from tommy's words that the positive legacy of a mining project is something that should be taken into account more seriously during the project's planning phase and in the EIA process. 
To close this episode, we asked Tommy for his final thoughts on this topic. Let's say deliberately, and that should be your aim, you will deliberately try to leave that place in a better condition than what it was, uh, or what the uh, uh, progress would have been without your mind. So you need to uh, deliberately build these sustainable benefits for the region. Um, but how do you put them in an EIA? I see two options. There, one is that, that you include it in your pro, uh, project description, or you include it in your documents as, let's say, mitigation measures against the negative impacts. But there is no, actually, there is no law saying that uh, an EIA uh, cannot assess positive impacts as well. You can also as, uh, add positive impacts in your, in your EIA documents. But it's actually really important because the industry talks about this, like how do you create positive legacies from mining projects? It talks about it all the time and it should be also injected in the EIA. We, we need to find a, a clever way to put it in the EIA as well. This really sounds like one of the key messages for today. We are now already reaching the end of this podcast and it was fascinating to hear from both Guillermo and Tommy. We've learned a lot about the importance of trust in the mining industry and that it's crucial to apply more holistic approaches when it comes to preparing impact assessments. But before we wrap up, I want to remind our listeners about the massive open online course produced by the SUMEX project. If you're interested in learning more about EIA and other important topics related to sustainable mining, be sure to register for the course. Thanks for tuning into this episode of the SUMEX podcast and stay tuned for more episodes where we will continue exploring approaches and pathways to make the mining sector become more sustainable. And for more information on the SUMEX project, we would also invite you to check out our website at sumexproject.eu.